Welcome to the five of us. We are five outspoken women with close to 150 years of experience as broadcast journalists. We left our jobs on the very same day and we are dedicated to helping women avoid the many pitfalls common to the workplace. We've heard from hundreds of people recounting tales of woe on the job, and we have done the research, we're putting it all in a book, and we are here to help. I'm Roma Tori, and along with Kristen Shaughnessy, Janine Ramirez, Vivian Lee, and Amanda Farinacci, we are the five of us. Hi, everyone. The pandemic forever changed the workplace and magnified the generational differences in how people think about work. Work-life balance and mental health have been more widely discussed in these last few years than ever before. So here is the question. Do employers have to bend to the conditions being set by the 20 and 30-year-olds who understand work-life balance in ways that those of us in our 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond did not at their age? Or can employers expect or demand employees stay in line? and do things the way they've always been done. So, Rome, I'm going to start with you on this. <laughs> it seems like there has to be a little give and take here. Uh, I do agree, uh, but I have to say, I, I believe we're at a moment of reckoning in terms of how we relate to work in this country. So many of us have been raised on the Protestant work ethic. You know, we have to work till we drop, essentially, you know, and, and when, when an employer would say to us, jump, we'd say, how high? Mm-hmm. Now. If, you, if an employer says it to a young person, they'll say, go to hell, you know, and they'll, and they'll walk out of the job, I mean, if it doesn't suit them. Um, you, you, you asked if employers should bend. I, I think the pandemic has essentially broken the back of the class system in the workplace, that we're not at that point anymore where we have to obey and do everything we're told. I think young people uh, understand now, thanks to the pandemic, there are new ways to, to manage your job and the workplace. And thanks to technology, it, it can get done. And I think it benefits both the employer and the employee as long as everybody understands how to work together better. Um, older folks do expect a commitment from young people that young people aren't necessarily uh, willing to make anymore. And so I, I think that, and, and it is a generational thing, definitely. Mm-hmm. The older companies have a business model that is so entrenched, and they're not willing to make the change. And if they're not willing to make the change, they're going to have a hard time finding employees that want to stick with them. Retention is going to be a huge problem. And we've said this before. Young people don't want to stay in a job if the job is not suiting them or fulfilling their, you know, their lifestyle or, or their particular needs. You know, there was, um, you had shared an article with us, uh, Kristen. There was a, a Forbes article that, that said one in five um, executive leaders agree with the statement, no one wants to work. I mean, even Kim Kardashian said that, right? Right, um, right. Yeah, Got that, a lot of flack for it. Yeah, yeah. She, and she deserved a lot of flack. It was mm-hmm. coming from, come on, Kim Kardashian. But anyway, they, <laughs> they agree. That no, they, they're saying no one wants to work. And yet the flip side of that is there was a Gallup poll that came out, and, and it said 86% of workers in this country feel, and this was the word, uh, the two words, actively disengaged mm. from their jobs. That's horrendous. But you... And then on the flip side of all of that is side hustles are exponentially growing and the gig economy is rising sharply, right? So it's not that kids don't want to work. 
It's that they don't want to work at the, at the jobs that are being offered to them in the conditions that, that they're coming at them, right? So both sides have to give a, a little. And it's forcing all of us to rethink how the workplace should be modeled. And I, and I think we really do need a, a huge overhaul in the, in the way we think about work and what's important. And I will say something else about this. Um, I had asked my son, so both my kids are in their 20s, and you know they've had odd jobs here and there. Um, my son left his job during the pandemic, and it was paying him really well, and it, it was a decent job, but he wasn't feeling fulfilled. And he thought, well, this is my opportunity, like so many other kids during the Great Resignation, his opportunity to follow his passion, which is writing. And he's doing pretty well, actually. And um, he's, he's um, uh, being able to pay his, his bills by uh, doing extra work in movies, you know. So, that's not what he wants to do, but that's his plan B, right? Um, but anyway, I asked him, what do you think about you know, the, the situation in terms of how young people feel about the, the workplace these days? And he said to me, I'm just going to quote him, he said, people don't want to work in dead-end jobs anymore that they know won't make them happy. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell, that's exactly how young people are thinking. And they can think that way because they don't need to take these awful jobs anymore. But then I said to him, but we need the waiters, right? We need the garbage collectors. So what do we do about that? And he was saying, well, then, you know what? Employers should stop being so greedy and be more human. And that kind of is basic. I mean, he should run for government. Because I, think <laughs> I would vote for him. I mean, these are very basic messages that need to, to, to be um, distributed throughout the country. I mean, we, we need people to understand that no one wants to be unhappy at work. And when you put in, what, eight hours on a job, not to mention all the time that you spend traveling to and from. I mean, that is a chunk of your life that's wasted if, if you're not feeling um, fulfilled, right, or challenged in, in any way. So I would say both sides have to give a little, but I think the employers have to give a little bit more. And I think it comes, people are setting boundaries now. You've talked about this before, mm -hmm. where there are younger colleagues who don't think twice about not answering an email on a weekend, which is insane to me. We were available 24-7, so right. that is crazy to me. But also I read this Reddit post and there was an employee who was advocating saying he should be paid or he or she should be paid for the commute to work. And I thought, that's crazy. But then I also thought, well, there are some people probably at his company working from home. So right. then th how do you manage that? Right. I mean, uh, I think you can probably find people on both sides who would say, yeah, like if I can't stay home and work, then pay me to get me there, right? Um, these are conversations that are actually happening um, in the workplace. Um, I think a good measure for setting boundaries is for you first to sort of assess what your priorities are, like what's important to you, like what, what do you, what's the thing about your job that's the most, that's the most irritating, that's the most important to you or that bothers you the most, right? Like if it's, if it's your commute and you want to have a, a hybrid or a remote uh, situation, then you say, this is what I would like to do. Um, there, there's Time Magazine kind of gives this some guidance on how you can set boundaries to make work work for you, which is, I think, smart advice in any, even if you're not trying to set boundaries, you should try to make your job work for you and your lifestyle if you can. Um, they have, they coined the phrase, um, act your wage, which is obviously mm. falls in line <laughs> with like the quiet quitting. It's like mm. basically that you just do the things that you're being paid to do only. Um, I think a good way to set the boundaries are, though, is just to be really communicative and be vocal about what's working in your workplace and what's not. Um, 
if the example about uh, the people that I encountered who were like, why I didn't get that? E why would I get that email on a Saturday? And it was like <laughs> dead know. spate. Like it was like yeah. it was like somebody died. It was like we were all. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you, you mean? You're not the yeah. email. Like these are you know people who are choosing uh, what habits they want to bring to the workplace. Um, I think that the boundary conversation is a good chance for people to revisit conversations about um, salary. Um, what is my, what do I want my wage to look like? What are my wages to look like? What's part of my um, benefits package, right? Like me, I, I know so many people. I mean, we've, we even see like here in the city, there's like shortages in places, right? Because the hybrid option is not an option. From from most people in in working in in uh, public in the public sector, um, it's also a good time for you to have conversations with bosses and uh, do how much response do you need from me? Let's should we limit our notifications? When do you need to communicate with me? Can I put an out of office on if my hours are nine to five? I, I know of people who who as soon as it's like five oh one, that's it. Do not disturb. Their calendars show them busy. <laughs> this is what people are doing now. But like this just this never is, would have happened 20, just, 30 years ago. Right. Just never. It's, I think it's also some of it. Is, yeah. yeah, it's but, just pushing back, right? Yeah, I do. I do think some of it is indus industry specific, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to expect like your husband is an ER doctor. Is he going right. to put a do not disturb? At <laughs> no, I don't think so, right? No. Like his phone's um, ringing off right. the hook like, all the yeah. time. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. But I do think it's it's a good chance for for when you're trying to navigate this aspect of you know what's good and. Uh, uh, how am I going to make work work for me? You really have to prioritize what's important to you. Your mental, if your mental and physical health. I know I like to go for a run in the morning, so that means that I'm going to start my day at X Y Z time, and everybody needs to know that. Like, you know, I don't, I don't have to publicize that, right. but I'm just saying, for example, like if these are the things that help you to do your job better, then you should spend time and be vocal about those things. Because the the thing to your point, Roma, all of this has been turned up, turned over, right? So if you don't have these conversations now, when are you going to have them, mm -hmm. right? Like. Um, I think there's a, an opening that's been created by the pandemic, and it's probably not going back the other way. If, in fact, it's probably going more in favor as we progress to the um, empl employee um, favor. Uh, so I think it, that if you're going to have any conversation about this, I'm not sure I would ask, hey, pay me to, to drive to work. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, be realistic and practical about your expectations and, and, the, and the asks that you have, but definitely ask. Yeah, it's smart, it's smart advice. And I think, you know, we're talking about generations and do they want to work. I don't necessarily know if it's that they don't want to work. It's just we're talking they want to work differently. And I think every generation, Vivian, gets yeah. accused of not being wanting to work yeah, or when, as, as hard, right? So I think it's just people are finding ways to work smarter, not harder. Well, there's that, but there's also, I think, it is a generational thing to accuse the younger generation Absolutely. of this yeah. over and over again. Actually, a quick search of what the real reason is behind no one wants to work. If you put that in there, you'll come up with this article that I found on Inc.com where a University of Calgary professor who studies labor issues put out, a, I believe it was a Twitter thread, where he pulled headlines and quotes from stories dating all the way back to 1894 and found examples of no one wants to work anymore yeah. in almost every one of those articles. And like just as an example, in 1916, well, as near as I can find out, the reason for food scarcity is that nobody wants to work as hard <laughs> as they used to. 1981, farming is my hobby now, but these these rocks. I hired two boys to clear the rocks off the land this week, but they just fooled around. They didn't want to work. Nobody <laughs> wants to work anymore. And the one that got me was 1894. 
Quote, with all the minds of the country shut down, what's a poor editor to do for coal next winter? It's becoming apparent that nobody wants to work <laughs> in these hard times. So I do feel like there's something to be said for what um, your son mentioned, which is nobody wants to work in a dead-end job. Bloomberg News did a whole article and series on this about how the pandemic has shown that nobody wants to work in a low-paying job anymore, and mm -hmm. they are showing how they feel by marching with their feet. Um, I think, that, you know, these days, a livable wage is no longer $15 an hour. I think when we were working in news actively, that was like a, a major theme, a through line in a lot of strike stories, labor shortages, stories that we did. Now it's $25 an hour. And companies are cluing into that a lot quicker because they don't want to deal with the labor upsets that they've had to deal with during the pandemic. So there's some effort now to try and head off exactly what this generation needs in order to live and feel satisfied that standing on your feet for eight hours in a service industry job is going to be worth it. Yeah, 725 doesn't cut it anymore. No, <laughs> oh, it doesn't. God. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, to this point, let's go to you, Janine. There's a disconnect, too, between some of the big corporations, what the CEOs get. Because you always have those articles, right? Like, CEO makes whatever, $30 million, and then you have people fighting for bathroom breaks on the low-level <laughs> side of the worker. So there is a disconnect there, and people are talking about it and acting on it now. Well, Whereas okay. before, you just expected it. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And it was, it was almost uh, accepted before. Mm -hmm. Okay, like this is my job and, and there were people lined up for your job. Should you not show up? They had somebody to replace you. Now they have no one. So now they're bending over back, backwards. A lot of companies saying, okay, well, what schedule do you want to work? <laughs> Before it was like, work the schedule. If you can't make the schedule work for you, then out the door. Um, now it's like, okay, the companies are saying, well, you know, <laughs> you know we'll work with you. What, what, what best fits your needs? Um, but the pandemic was, you know, profitable for the biggest billionaires in this country. And so, you know, the billionaires just got richer. You're talking about Jeff Bezos made $70 billion in 2020. Oh um, the Mark Zuckerbergs, the Bill Gates. Um, so I think the not wanting to work, um, clearly there's a demand for, for mm -hmm. people to work, but, but they don't want to work on the lower end jobs. Like you, like you were saying, like why these people, the inequities sort of like were highlighted, right? These crazy inequities in healthcare um, and in finances. And so how are these people really like cashing in and the people on the other end are losing their jobs. Oh no, we need to cut back for the pandemic. Oh, we need you to work harder. Oh, we're gonna give you like, you have to do more with less. So, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? There's a disconnect there and so, um, then you have like the Gen Zs. Oh, I have to work a 40 hour work week. Well, who made that up? Like who, who made up that I only get two weeks, weeks vacation a year? Who made that up? Like why should we continue right. in this trend where the inequities just keep getting worse? And so I think it's not, I don't want to work. It's like, I don't want to work at a crappy job. Mm -hmm. I don't want to work where I don't get a sick day off. And I know there's been some policies legislatively like to try to uh, fix some of these things, but it fixes at a bare minimum, right? Maybe you get a little bit better work, like quality of life, but I think it's also like an evaluation of life. Like the pandemic says, oh my gosh, I have, I know people who are dying, right? People who got the virus and, and, and it's just like, wait a minute, like do I wanna continue to give all I have, the 110% to work? Maybe not, maybe there's something else that suits my needs, that has a better quality of life for me, maybe getting paid more, maybe right, these side hustles and these gig economy things may work in my favor, rather than continue to make the rich richer. When you think about, you spend most of your life working, right? And then there's a very short period where you're retired. And 
I think people are trying to change that, where it's you can enjoy life a little bit. You can actually live life, right, as opposed to just work, 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 retire, and then typically get sick or just grow old, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you die. Like, it's, it's sort of backwards, and I think the thinking has reversed. What about the... Uh, I completely understand, like with the Jeff Bezos and you know the the inequity of the thing. But there are the owners of these companies are putting out the capital. They're taking the risks. They're growing the business. And yes, there can definitely be room there to talk about that. But what about like the middle companies, like the middle-sized companies that are just hurting to try to find somebody? They create these good cultures. They they pay a good wage compared to the competitors, and they still can't find people. And the, the employees are calling all the shots. Yeah. Well, income inequality, just, let's just get a baseline here, because I, I was reading, and this is awesome, uh, awful. Uh, from 1979 to 2016, and, uh, and I'm sure it's a lot worse since 2016, but it, the numbers are compiled uh, for that period. Um, the 90% of the country only earned 24% more than they were earning all the mm -hmm. way back then, right? The top, the top 1% level. on average doubled their income during that period. Okay, so it, it, income inequality is huge. Mm -hmm. the, the, in the middle ground, there is obviously a, a problem because they're suffering the most, I would say. They're in that 90 percent uh, percentile. They're not doing all that well, and they're trying to run a company, and they can't get enough people. But I think we've got to come to terms with the fact that just because you own a business and all that doesn't mean that you have to make so much more money than the rest of your than the rest of your employee staff right um, there it's interesting that uh, when you talk about how much money is not being paid to young people I saw a quote from uh, a young man who was 28 years old and you know during the pandemic so many people were unemployed and so they were getting unemployment benefits right mm -hmm. and so this young man said I just think that unemployment uh, benefits has uh, just at least fixed everyone's brain enough to see how effed up the wages are right mm -hmm. and so he said he would rather stay on unemployment than take a crap job yeah, yeah. and I mean this is the mindset of yeah. young people and that's scary too, uh, and that is, and that's <laughs> yeah. really unfortunate. But yeah. you can understand if if the unemployment benefits are higher than they're getting in these lower level jobs, then you know what's the incentive. On the other hand, I have another thought on all this. It's not necessarily about the money because you know we all came from a, a place, uh, at least starting out, where the money was piss poor, and we were happy. We mm -hmm. were happy, and and when I say piss poor, relative to what we could have been making elsewhere, but we were treated right. You know, mm -hmm. and and there was almost a, there was a, a family feel to it, and so the bottom line I think with all of this uh, workplace um, back uh, back and forth is that engagement is the name of the game. Mm -hmm. If if an employer can can um, satisfy their employees by making them feel valued and welcome and um, and belong in the place, I think it would be happier all around, and you wouldn't have to pay them great amounts of money as long as you make them feel uh, fulfilled in, in the job. And it shouldn't take that much. You know, there are these things called employee resource groups, you know, where these, these little small um, committees uh, that start and they reach out to individuals and make them feel welcome in, in the workspace. That's, I, I think that's the solution. 
And yeah. I think that people are returning to work or want to go back to work if they had a good job, mm -hmm. if they felt that they were properly compensated, exactly. if they had these feelings of being rewarded on this, they're happy to go back. It's mm -hmm. the people who don't want to go back and be like, this job was terrible. Mm -hmm. Like, why am I going to continue to subject myself to this kind of treatment or behavior or workplace culture? No. Well, yeah. This is where policy and lawmaking comes into play, too. I mean, since the early 70s, the livable wage, when you adjust for inflation, has been going steadily down yes. while well, yeah. the cost of living has been going exponentially up and if generation after generation your family has been forced to only be able to choose from a certain tier of jobs that pays low then it, I mean aspirationally it's difficult to move out of that right like you just can't so I feel like yeah, on the one hand, America's built on this idea of, you know, if you've got the, the backbone and the drive, then you should be able to make it. But there are a lot of other factors that, you know, government could actually address and has not. And actually, the power to address those issues, like a living wage or a livable wage, has been chipped away at steadily, I think, over time. And at some point, I mean, workers are probably going to gain enough power to be able to say, uh, we we do this on mass. We walk out on mass. That's what Which we're is seeing. What happened it's what's Amazon, happening right now. Yeah, exactly. Starbucks. They're starting to unionize, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, we we've been talking. We've talked about before how you know the the power of the union has disappeared over time. I think there back. is a steady steady flow back towards it this is. idea that collective power is worth something. Yeah. We should one of your favorite shows, Sun CBS Sunday Morning, you have me watching it now too, and there was an interesting uh, segment which you may have seen, but it was a, it was a uh, owner, a CEO in Manhattan who has plants all over and he has people buy in. So he gives them stock and if you hit a certain production, it might take you seven years, but all of a sudden they're getting like two times, three times, four times their annual salary mm -hmm. based on their production. These employers, these employees were like, they're, sometimes their whole family worked there. They were so happy with their job. They're like, this is the American dream. Mm -hmm. So there is a way they to do it. They have a share. Yeah. And he's making more it. than obviously all of them, and he should, because he's right. the one who's putting out the capital and the risk and all that. But it wasn't so, he's like, the divide doesn't have to be yeah. so big. Yeah. And yeah. he was hoping that other people would, would follow suit. But it was it's an interesting take. And yeah, when the, when the companies realize that they can make an investment in their employees and it's going to pay dividends down the road. And production had increased right. exponentially. Even if it so costs them yeah. a little bit more initially, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. It's also just the human nice thing to do, it, it right? Is. Yeah. It's at no, the end of the day, right? Well, it's just how you treat each other. Yeah. a little bit <laughs> yeah. more. Um, all right, we're going to end with two quotes just because I couldn't decide. <laughs> <laughs> One is from Jason Fried. Workaholics aren't heroes. They don't save the day. They just use it up. The real hero is home because they figured out a faster way. <laughs> and here's one more. This is uh, Robin Sharma. Don't confuse activity with productivity. Many people are simply busy being busy. busy. Yeah. So, with that good discussion, thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to The Five of Us. We want to hear from you with any questions, ideas, or suggestions for future discussions. Just write to us at the email you see here and we will be eager to help. Talk to you next time.